to uh, um, Average Joe's podcast, and um, we uh, took nine guys to play laser tag on Saturday, and there are only four here, so um, uh, we, <laughs> we five didn't make it. Apparently, left some brothers behind. Um, what a it was a great experience. I thought uh, that was fun. So it was good yeah. to, good to just be with guys and uh, in some ways be kids again. Yeah. My legs were sore mm-hmm. until Monday easily. My thighs were just from running. No, you're not allowed to run, but you know what walk I Walk mean. fast. Like yeah. Walk fast. So um, we wanted to connect with this week, and, uh, and this week's sermon was, um, as we get started, admittedly, it's, it was a difficult sermon for me in that um, it just didn't feel like it landed in terms of, not, not the sermon, but the, the topic, the idea of um, Israel intermarrying and, um, you know, Ezra saying, well, we, we need to send those, those family members out, the wives and the children. And then um, Malachi saying, yes, but the Lord hates divorce. And so what do you do with that kind of tension? And it's certainly, we know that God doesn't contradict himself. Yeah. And it certainly felt like it did. So what are your, I'm, I'm turning to you guys to help me <laughs> resolve my own tension with this book. Well, as, uh, you know, so many times in, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel represents the church. Um, this idea of intermarrying in the church with the, the church according to being in the scripture and following the word of God and intermarrying with worldly culture. Um, and we see that drip down into each of our own individual lives. Um, the allowances that we make, um, the things that we allow into our homes or the music that we listen to, not that all music is bad, but the things that we hold on to of this world are kind of like the Israelites intermarrying with those other cultures. Yep. So that we need to divorce ourselves from those things, you know, if, if we're following that, that same metaphor with Scripture is to, to keep those things from entering in in the first place. Okay. Yeah. And we can go back, you know, God told the people of Israel to make sure that they weren't intermarrying these other, these other races or these other people because their gods would be their gods. And we can see that these gods, modern day, we have gods in our lives that would get put up on pedestals, whether it be time, money, um, those luxurious things, they can become idols fairly quickly. Yeah. And that's, it's still just that influx of culture into the church. It's interesting, right? You be in the world, not of the world, mm-hmm. and and I, and I probably have. I don't want to dominate the conversation, but I know for me, I probably, if I have a um, a bias, it's to be outwardly focused. It's to be in the in the world, reaching folks. But in doing so, you are subjecting yourself to temptation or to. Um, you know, to to falling into places that that you can become part of the world, and I think the word you used uh, that resonated with me is that idea of idols or creating gods out of out of some of those things. You know, so um, I don't have a great example, but maybe maybe race cars. You know, the the racetrack. We volunteer at the track specifically because it it allows us to rub elbows with those people that I've referred to the hells and dams. You know, those people who you stand around with them long enough, they're going to cuss. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
there's a temptation there, right? Like that can become part of an idol. It can become an idol for me that I, you know, I'm racing and, and cars and, oh, being around those guys, I, I need to talk like them so that I fit in. Um, that, that can be an issue where, where those foreign gods start to move in or that foreign stuff can move into my life. And I have to be real careful um, to make sure that I'm putting on that armor of God and, and not slipping. It, it's pretty easy to slip in and say, well, you know, I want to reach this crowd. They're all drunk. I better get drunk and go, <laughs> go reach yeah. them. So. I've become all things to all men, but that I might save some, the Bible says. <laughs> but you're, you're totally right. I mean, I know before I started this new job, you said, oh, they're going to be swearing over there. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard it before. But it's constant. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy if you don't check yourself and remind yourself I'm in the robot, not of this world, mm-hmm. to just slip right into it with them. Yeah. And I know, like, it, every day I have to be mindful going into work, say, okay, I know I'm with these guys. I know I want to preach and minister to these guys, but I can't be like these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a battle of influence, right? Cause, oh, for you know, sure. Jesus went into the world. He, 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 that's where his ministry was, was in the world and, and reaching those, those desolate places and people. But Jesus was the influence. The people weren't the influence on Jesus. He influenced them. Right. And so we can be of the world, but are we influencing the world or are we being influenced by the world? Yep. And we, I mean, you can go back into the Old Testament with, with, with Solomon. He started having this intermarrying thing and, and brought up people that had other gods than you know, the God of David and his ancestors. And what happened to Solomon? It led to his downfall. Yeah. Um, and he started worshiping those. The one of the wisest, the wisest men that walked the earth. That's where he went. So it doesn't take, and it happens little by little. A, a little leaven goes. Yeah. And it's it's interesting, Brad. I see you got the phone out too. I, I mm-hmm. want to get to, but the the concept of God back in you know ancient Israel. So I was initially really impressed that like King Artaxerxes was you know these these. Persian kings are not believers, but they send Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah and go, and we're going to bless you with all these resources. Go build your temple and pray to your God for us. Well, the concept was that God didn't move with them. God was centrally located only in that place. And so they, I mean, it was, that adds a different complexity to it too, that, um, even to the purity question was, you know, okay, God is, is just God in Jerusalem and just in, you know, of the Israelites. And these gods, these people over here worship the sun God and these people worship a different God. And um, But Yahweh states right up front, and, and even with with Abraham, we see it that far back there, that, that God is, he is not uh, the only, he is not, uh, is not, Stationary. He's not a god of a temple. He's a god of the tabernacle. He's a god that moves. He is. Uh, I am the Lord your God, the one God. You know, the God over all gods. You shall have no other gods uh, over me or but by but me. You know, like we get pretty um, pretty explicit understanding in our scriptures, but that wasn't the, the mindset then. Just throwing that out there to sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the the temple held such a deep 
deep-rooted place for the Israelites anyways. You know, for years they had the, the tabernacle set up in Shiloh, and it yeah. wasn't until they actually had the permanent temple built that they felt that they actually had, I'll maybe be it wrong, what they had other cultures had themselves, that they had these yep. big buildings dedicated strictly to worship that were permanent. Yeah. What do you got over there, Brad? Oh, I've thought about a hundred different things. I didn't want to read the... Uh, <laughs> scripture to everybody because it's not fun to listen to I suppose some people could do it but not me um, and I was trying to review what what you talked about on Sunday because you covered uh, three chapters or more yeah it was um, uh, I mean what we read was just basically a chapter or, or you know three or four verses but we really covered till the end of Ezra because we'll pick up in Nehemiah this week seven eight nine ten yeah yeah, I was thinking about, well, it was shocking to have the king um, give Ezra that permission and all the supplies and all the covering. He, he, uh, he paid for um, oil, timber, uh, animals to sacrifice, mm -hmm. and he also sent a letter with them that says, and by the way, everybody, every kingdom you pass through and all your neighbors, you're not allowed to bother them. Don't lay a hand on them, right. and don't tax them, <laughs> and all this other stuff. I'm like, wow, why did that king? And he sounded like a, a supporter of uh, our God, but I thought probably he's polytheistic, so he wants to uh, honor every god just in case. <laughs> and, uh, and the fact that he let him go uh, was something too, because they probably, all those Israelites, uh, probably paid taxes in one form or another to the king, and he's going to let that go. Uh, but those are probably side issues. That I think uh, the point you started on is is the most important one to focus on. Is that uh, God God sent them to Babylon in the first place to punish them because they had served other gods. Yeah, yeah. And then he t sends them to, to Babylon and, and, and says, settle down. And, and to some extent, you know, uh, plant a garden, have families, pray for the prosperity. Well, that sounds like enculturate yourself. But you weren't, you weren't allowed to worship other gods. You weren't allowed to intermarry uh, because they would uh, turn your heart towards other gods. And so um, going back to... Israel to start over and rebuild the temple and, and the walls and, and everything and finding out that the people there had intermarried um, or I'm not sure if it's the people who in the inter, uh, in between period because there was there was like 10, 20 years wasn't it as he worked on these things and maybe he went back and came back again and what you guys married uh, Canaanites or whatever um, and he says specifically, it's because it's not an ethnic thing. It's not a racial thing. Uh, and I suppose people might accidentally or uh, falsely conclude that um, it was a religious thing. Uh, and because there is only one God. Hmm. Worshiping an idol um, will do harm to you and to your family, and to your nation. And so it will in our nation. You don't have to be Hebrew. Uh, blessed is a nation whose, whose uh, Lord is the God, is, whose God is the Lord. And, uh, and that uh, would apply to 
in, in some extent, uh, America, because some of our Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, uh, you can see the symbols of, of Moses and, and uh, the Psalms and, and it's recorded in our, in our early history and stuff. Um, I see not only a personal application from Ezra, where we need to keep our hearts and our marriages pure from God, I mean from false for God. gods, mm -hmm. for God, you know, there's one God, no idolatry, and don't let the world, you know, gradually work its way in, and then you find out you're worshiping an idol and um, you never intended to or something. But um, I see it uh, on a bigger level, too, that it will start out, that God wants to create that culture, that recreate the culture, that as uh, I heard uh, the king telling Ezra, you can also appoint uh, magistrates and I forget what other offices, but he's like, you create your own government down there and take care of business. And I think some of that was make sure it goes well and leave me alone. I don't want any trouble. I don't want to find out that I created a headache by letting you do this. So, so do things well. And, and I think there's a pattern there which is similar to even at the time of the judges when they, they um, they had elected civil leaders, they had judges, um, I forget what else, but um, God, and then that image of coming out of slavery, and the same with Babylon, God wants us to be free, yeah. and you know, as Americans we like to, to sing about that, but I think it's literally true, <laughs> and so if we personally devote ourselves to God and live morally, have Christian wives, and they support us in that, we, them, and then we have children, uh, godly children, and then we go out and work in the workplace. I said some of this stuff last time, I think, creating the kingdom of God is that God, God wants to do that, and um, it's interesting, you know, I'm no economic or political expert, but you have at the king's level, and I'm not sure how much uh, King Artaxerxes had uh, control over at that time. Maybe it was the whole world as they understand it, the world. Um, and then, he, But he let them have their little nation state, yeah. uh, a country within a country. And I think the Romans were letting Israel do that at the same time, Jesus, same, same way in Jesus' time. They were allowed to punish their people and, and tax them and etc. But don't create a riot. Uh, anyway, the short, short version of this is I see it when uh, when you were reading the thing and and uh, going through it on Sunday, you know we're we're watching our country collapse now, and I see this as a prescription for rebuilding. Mm. Spirit it has to be spiritual. It has yeah. to start spiritually. It has to have a foundation on God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Word of God, which is truth and is to be obeyed as much as we understand it. And that includes politics, economics, the judicial system, uh, everything. But then we've got some work to do to recreate that. And uh, in, in days like last year, the year before, or maybe the coming year, who knows what, um, there is a time for the lower magistrates to disobey the uh, higher magistrates, if they're not honoring God's law, 
you have to you have to submit to authority and and, and that but there is a time to um, uh, for civil disobedience or some have said uh, defiance of tyranny is obedience to God you know there's some we might be coming to some of those times if it's if it's evil and um, and it's scriptures like this which um, which give us instructions on how to to do that it's not always clear and I, I love the way you handled the divorce thing because that does uh, I would call it a paradox which I think is an apparent contradiction <laughs> that's uh, a great I, I don't, way I don't think they actually be like war you yeah. know thou shalt not kill and God hates war but uh, there is a time but the look at what he did setting them into the yeah. promised land and all that so I think I think Ezra actually did speak for God and tell them to divorce their wives and it was right for that time yep. but Nehemiah did later on and he said the same problem later on and said don't divorce your wives and I think he did the right thing at that time <laughs> it's just it, I don't know why yeah but it's an apparent um, contradiction this is a paradox um, so it is complicated it's not easy but uh, but I think generally the principles and the themes are there where God wants us to be free we've got to work and sacrifice and guard and be careful and um, uh, if if we do, then amazing things can happen, mm -hmm. uh, re, uh, such as the American experiment, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, and I think there's room for saving America and it's men's ministries, <laughs> it's uh, being good husbands, yep. fathers. It's, this is how you recreate uh, an Amer a Christian culture is by, uh, and a nation. Hmm. Uh, it's not top down, it's bottom up. And so uh, here we are in the church. You kind of have flipped the paradigm for me a little bit. So I think of the Old Testament like a V, right? So at the top you have Adam and Eve, sin enters in, and it just starts crumbling mm. in from there. You get to the, the judges and they say, no, we want we want a king. We want to be like everybody else. And then mm. they get a king and it just mm. keeps crumbling in. Then you have Christ, yeah. you know, the, the hope of the, the Messiah Lord. And he comes and he and he turns the the Torah back up right, and mm -hmm. he he offers um, salvation and forgiveness and redemption and all of those things. Well, then I've always kind of just said, well, what happens then? Do we still continue to you know <laughs> to degrade? Yeah. Yeah. What you've just kind of said to me is kind of okay. Now we've got another we've got a V, a regular V on top of an upside down V where. Mm. Maybe we're yeah. working back. To, we're working back towards Eden in He's some ways. He's the second Adam. Yeah, Jesus is the second Adam. He started something. The kingdom of God is now and not yet. That's yeah. the, you know yep. classic theological language. And so, uh, yeah, God wants us to because we're to be so at work doing that. We're so quick to say our world is awful and it's terrible and this is, you know, Jesus is coming back soon. Well, yeah, he's a day closer than he was yesterday. Yeah. But when we start to understand what was taking place, even in Jesus' time in those pagan temples, we're not there yet. You know, and, and maybe we'll never get to that. You know, and so maybe there is, I'm thinking, well, there is hope that we can turn this around. And I think you're right. It's, mm -hmm. it's um, let's call them the remnant or average Joes that mm -hmm. are saying, I'm going to take my my walk with God seriously. 
I'm going to take being a godly husband seriously. I'm going to take being a, a, a father to my children and the children around me that emulates the, the characteristics of God. Um, I'm going to stand on my principles even when it's going to cost me my job or, or other things, which we've alluded to um, in the past. Like, maybe it's going to just take some average Joes saying, I'm, I'm in no matter the cost, and, and we'll begin to see some of this stuff. Honestly, I've been thinking that question the whole time. What if men in the church, what would the church look like if men stood up? What does society look like if men stood up? What would families look like? Yeah. I mean, being a teacher, I had seen broken families, single-parent households, and these kids are messed up because of it. Mm-hmm. But if he had more men stay in that family and become the spiritual leader that they're called to be, mm-hmm. even not even made the spiritual leader, but the leader of the family that they're called to be, mm-hmm. just how different would society look like today? Yeah. And generationally, I mean, we go... I mean, the enemy has had the targets on man since the very beginning, mm-hmm. like in that dissolution of the family circle and cell. And <clears throat> if the man falls, the family falls. Why yeah, do you see what we're seeing right now in, yeah. in politics? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember, it was one of the minor prophets. I can't remember which one it was, but it talks about <clears throat> God specifically saying, you know, y- your wives and your daughters are this, but my judgment is for the man because he led them down this mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so... We have to take that role seriously. We, we have to, and the, the nice thing is, is because of Christ and because of his grace, it's never too late. Yeah. We, can, we can always get back on the right track. We can, we can get rid of those things that we've allowed to become idols. We can get rid of those things that are holding us into Babylon. We can get rid of those things that are being more mindful to this world than being mindful towards his kingdom. Yeah. So that, that's, there's a lot of hope there. And you know what does it look like if what does it look like in Perry, New York? If if we flip that script in Perry, New York, and men in Perry did those things, yeah. mm-hmm. what would it look like for the churches in Perry? What would it look like for the the scouts in Perry, the schools in Perry, the teachers in Perry, the businesses in Perry? If you flip the script like that, yeah. And it, it, I think um, honestly, in some ways, it, it sounds like work. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it does. Hard work, and, and because it, I'm, I feel like I'm doing that to the with my family, and not to any great extent. I'm trying, but mm-hmm. but then you also see there are families who um, are messed up, who are single families, single parents, and you know we have we try and have those kids and those people in our home and in our lives as well, and so. Not only are we, as men, trying to lead our own families, and I know that's true of you guys too. That um, you have, you know, you have sons who are bringing their friends in. It, you've had nine kids in your house every Sunday afternoon. Just about. like it, it is. It's not just our families, but it's 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 even bringing in those from the outside and um, and trying to provide for them and trying to be an example for them and trying to be a dad. I've got a number of kids that I play almost a father role in their lives because Mm -hmm. their father is non-existent or is not around or whatever the case may be and Mm -hmm. and same with with you know there's just it's it's work and (laughs) and i would think sitting you know at home listening to this podcast and be like yeah wouldn't it be great if this stuff actually took place Mm -hmm. and then you know about 10 minutes well let's be honest 10 seconds later (laughs) like "Eh." 
Uh, you know, yeah. th- that's a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. And then with everything else that, you know, men have to deal with on a given day, we've got work and we've got families and we've got, as your families get older, you've got their things that you're dealing with. Um, you know, days can be chaotic and the, the easy out is I don't need one more thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't need one more thing. Um, but it's that, I don't think it has to be something that it's a, I don't think we have to go and take on a 40 hour job in addition to our job to think that we can make changes in our community. It's right. being present of the opportunities that come up to say, yes, I'm gonna do that and mm-hmm. I'm gonna let my light shine. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've got a guy from Harding's over to fix my, my heater and plumbing and I'm just gonna let my light shine while he's in the house. And what what difference does that make? Or I'm hanging out with the guys from Harding and I'm not gonna be the one that is, is talking the way that they're talking. I mean, it's as simple as not swearing. Yep. You know, my second week on the job, I was working on a project and I couldn't get it. I go, oh, come on. And another guy goes, oh, it's okay. You can swear. We swear here. <laughs> and another guy I had been working with already said, yeah, but he doesn't. He's different that way. Mm-hmm. So just acting like that, whether we know it or not, is showing yeah. the light of God. Mm-hmm. I think the key to it is uh, there's something different between I'm just going to try and be my outward behavior be better. Mm-hmm. It's different when there's a heart transformation. Mm-hmm. When we have that Perfect. encounter with Christ yeah. that makes us, or doesn't make it, where we, we realize God's grace on us mm-hmm. and, and that we are sinful. I know you're loving this part, Brad, that, that we're <laughs> wretched, sinful humans, but that, that God has offered us a chance to, to repent. And when we take that in and realize it, then the rest of this stuff doesn't feel like work. It feels like an act of love. It gives you a reason to do it. I yeah. love God, and because of that, I want to represent him in the workplace with mm-hmm. my family, with mm-hmm. um, wherever it is, the racetrack, whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the difference. And how do we help men encounter Christ that way? That's really that's on the Lord. We have to be present. We have to shine the light. We've got to be willing to talk. Um, but it's also really... The Holy Spirit's movement in there, but in I, I would say don't take it more than one day at a time. Yeah. Like I can't worry about Friday. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, my prayer is each day that just God give me the strength to reflect Your love today. Yep. Tomorrow will be its own separate entity, mm-hmm. and I, I can't stress mm-hmm. about it. But mm-hmm. for today, <laughs> let my let let Your light shine bright, yep. and let the world see You and not me. Um, but also. You know, Mike, you and I have talked about this, like being willing to say yes when an opportunity presents itself. Instead of looking for a reason to say no, if, you know, you're asked, hey, could you fill into this? Could you do this? Look at those as opportunities. Yes, they might be an inconvenience at the moment. Yes, you might have a thing. But if you say yes, what can God do with that? Your yes versus you saying no. And obviously we can't say yes to everything because we would all be just buried. Um, And not everything is a good yes. But... (laughs) You know, if you're being prompted to ask to do something, hey, would you be willing to help come down to the Chalk Art Festival and, and help man the water tent? Yes, I can give you an hour and come down. Like, just say yes to those and fit them in and see what God does in those moments when you say yes to them. Yep. I don't know how we're doing. I think we're, we're well over our time, I think. But I'm having fun. Oh, we're down <laughs> 27 minutes. 
Did we cover it? I would also say don't be in a hurry. I think there's a great relief to, when you think of, uh, well, it just comes easy to me. But, um, <laughs> but slow talking bad over here just comes easy. I heard, I heard some people say, uh, think in a uh, hundred year plans for discipleship. Mm. Uh, actually, the you know, I've, I've uh, heard things said about uh, communism that they've thought in decades uh, of China, the what they've done in the United States has taken years and they're not in a hurry and they're plotting. Uh, you know nefarious things, so the, 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 and they're just copying. They're taking God's wisdom and flipping it uh, towards evil. This is God's idea. When um, when Ezra, I think you said, uh, well, Jeremiah said that Israel was going to be in in captivity seventy years, right? Yep. But it was like at the fifty year mark or so when when they started. Now they, these trips? I think they... 60? I, it might have been 60. There was 60 years between Zerubbabel and Ezra when they first were released to go back. And, okay. not, a, and not everybody chose to leave Babylon. There were some, as we talked about last the week. Um, but the Lord was pretty firm saying, nope, you're going to be here 70 years. Yeah. So. But the rebuilding effort uh, took yeah. a while. Yeah. And so did everything else in the Bible you didn't think about. And he's talking about... Um, Having faithful marriages, producing faithful children, grandchildren, God's faithful from generation to generation. As long as we focus on just the basics, that'll be revolutionary. Mm -hmm. It'll be slow, and there are more things that we can do. But uh, I heard someone say that the the birth rate of Christians and religious people, not necessarily Christians, monotheistic type uh, religions, I guess, is is at least double maybe triple that of secularists and it's been happening for decades someone's wow. been uh, and and there are some estimates that in in another decade or two decades uh the religious types of people are going to outnumber the secularists like three to one i'm talking about 75 percent um in in the future that's already in motion mm. because you think about it, people who want abortion don't have kids. Yeah. People who are transgender don't have kids. People who are gay that don't have kids. People who are living for themselves, the idolatry of money or vocation, are not having kids. Yep. The average is like one, one point, I don't know, 1.5 or something. But with religious people, it's, it's over two, three, something like that. And, and so, and that's just having, you gotta have a, a, a woman anyway to have a, <laughs> a wife a wife a marriage to have kids uh, and you have a, a bunch of kids we're just gonna you know, be fruitful and multiply right. rule over the earth and subdue it some of the basics I mean this is literally God's up there like hello you're overcomplicating this yeah. <laughs> and if we if we just focus on having uh, being faithful to God personally you know the the war in our hearts and then the War of the Roses, the, the marriage, and then uh, being the kids, uh, that'll be revolutionary enough, and that'll change society. Yeah. But it'll take decades. It's a slow move. I'm looking forward to, to grandkids. Yep. And, and, and we don't have to be in a hurry about it. It can be frustrating, I suppose, if, they, if things look like they're going in the wrong direction or nothing's happening. But uh, the slow move, uh, we will, as Goofy said, uh, it was 
tortoise and a hare, but Goofy was <laughs> racing in the book that we read to our kids. <laughs> uh, the slow one always wins the race. And I mean, we see, you know, you know, Bible says that, you know, God's love is long-suffering and his patience is long-suffering. Yeah. So, I mean, that's there. I mean, you're ultimately the... the everybody, though, is you're in your society, it's that instant gratification. Now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I can admit that, you know, I get frustrated at a fight club rally where it's like you put all this work in and everything comes on and you've got eight guys that are sitting there. It's like, all right. And it's, I wanted more. We know we did all this work. We should have more now. Um, but even in that book that we're reading for this, you know, the idea of having 10 years, 15 years, it's not going to be something that's going to, we're not going to see a change immediately unless we're willing to play that long game, unless we're willing to look down that five, seven, and 10 year mark that are we, are, you know, are we still doing this? 10 years from now, if we're still only having 15 listeners, are we still going to be doing this? Like, that's that commitment. You know, the commitment to when we all got together that the night at the house was, all right, if we have an event, we're just going to run with it, whoever shows up. You know, laser tag, it was great that we had nine guys. I was looking forward if there was three of us. Like, yeah. it was going to be whatever it ended up being, and eventually people come or they don't. But you, we, we've got to have that that patience the long game. and that long mm -hmm. game mindset <clears throat> that... God doesn't necessarily move in a second. Yeah. Um, he can. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and sometimes he does. Mm -hmm. But when God told Noah to build the ark, you know, some people estimate that that was you know, between 80 and 120 years before mm -hmm. what came, what he said was going to come to fruition. Yeah. And so it was, it's, you know, Noah played an 80 year long, long game yeah. mm -hmm. and was faithful in what he was asked to do. And I think this whole thing that we have going, the podcast, the men's ministry in our church, is a testament to the whole, well, I want Fight Club, I want immediate gratification. Mm. I would wager to say that without Fight Club three years ago, this would not have never started. In that yeah. Yep. Yep. I think we still would have been comfortable where we were in the pew, saying, okay, mm -hmm. we'll show up every Sunday, men can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. But yeah. once that Fight Club made its way in, more people started realizing that we need more of the men. Yep. Mm. And you know, Ryan, um, I, the thing that I'm hearing here is that since the three of us are kind of beyond the child-rearing age, it's really on you. You need to have <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll more kids. Eight or ten. They have more kids. Yeah, my parents would love to hear that. You're going <laughs> to build listeners by yeah, having more and more kids. kids so. Well, so far, well, the first one's a girl, so we better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is good stuff, and I think um, I, I'm excited about where we're at. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like even if we're just, if we're playing that long game and we are just, you know, like you mentioned, 15 listeners, well, there is more going on beyond that, you know, that there's people that are listening that, I, that have said stuff to me that I just never thought they'd even pick up on it. Or um, I had a woman say, well, you know, this is great stuff for the men, and maybe it's just jealousy, but what are we doing for the women and, mm -hmm. and with the families? And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, would you like me to lead a women's ministry? <laughs> <laughs> and the crazy thing is, those 15, how many people are they going to talk to on a regular basis? Right, yeah. right. We think we're just reaching 15, but even if each of those 15 reach one person, yeah. that's 15 more people. Yep, absolutely. So. Well, great. Another uh, episode of Average Joe's. And I'm going to be gone the next two weeks, so um, it's on you guys.
We won't burn it down. Yeah. <laughs> you might regret leaving. <laughs> we'll talk about him next time. Nah, it's going to be a roast Perfect. on Mike next time, and he won't Perfect. be here to defend himself. Yeah. That's good. I need to, uh, you know, <laughs> have at it. So. Brad, you want to take us home? Yeah, see you in church on Sunday. <laughs>